Well, guys, for the last uh, six or seven weeks, we've been in this, this section of Matthew chapter 11. And really our tendency, my tendency, I guess, is to want to rush to the end of 11 and, and eat the ice cream at the end without uh, eating all that, that, that would come before it. Uh, we, you know, I've often heard it said, life is short, you should start by eating dessert because you just don't know how long you're going to be here. Uh, we tend to want to do that with the Word of God, is to go to these, these big passages like we're going to look at this morning and, and feast upon this. But I think we need to be reminded of everything that's led up to this passage. In Matthew chapter 11, it starts with John the Baptist asking two questions. He asks of Jesus, are you the one? Or, second question, should we continue to search? John knew that there is this restlessness inside of us that cannot be satisfied apart from finding the Messiah, finding God's son. And so he asked Jesus, are you the one that was to come or should we continue our search? And Jesus responds to the messengers that John sent by saying, go back and tell John what you have heard and what you've seen, telling the gospel and telling what you've seen me do, not just the miracles that I've done, but who I'm doing those miracles for. Jesus came for the helpless and the harassed and the hopeless. And so he sends the disciples, I mean, the the messengers back to John. And Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 11 to talk about the fact that, that, that the people would not respond. You know, John played the funeral dirge we talked about and Jesus played the wedding march and, and the people just folded their arms and would not respond and would not repent. And Jesus says, you didn't like John and you don't like me. And in so many ways, we are completely different. But you didn't like either one. And the problem is not with the message. And the problem is not with the messenger. But the problem was with your heart. And so Jesus calls them to repent. He calls out his hometowns, those three cities that we looked at, that thought that they had this corner on the market because Jesus did so many miracles in their midst. And we talked about how that they were amazed with Jesus. But they weren't changed by Jesus. They stood in awe of what he could do. But they wouldn't bow their hearts to him. They would not repent. Jesus said that the truths of the gospel are so simple that they're hidden from the wise and from the understanding. But yet God reveals them to children. And last week, uh, we looked at this part of the, the passage where Jesus claims to be God. Nobody knows the Son except for the Father. Nobody knows the Father except for the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. And Jesus is claiming equality with God there by calling Him His Father, but also by saying that nobody understands the heart of God like Jesus does. And nobody understood the heart of the Messiah like the Father. And so we need for God to reveal to us His heart. And that's what he's going to be doing here this this week. As we finish up Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is going to propose to us this great exchange. He's going to allow us to bring our emptiness and exchange it for his fullness. To bring our striving and, 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 and all of our works and exchange it for his grace. And so today I've entitled this message, The Great Exchange. It's an invitation for you and I to come to Jesus Christ. Not to come to a different form of religion, not to take on more works and to try to do a better job, not to just try to clean up our act or to be a better wife or to be a better husband or to be a better dad. That's not what he's calling us to. This great exchange is something where he calls us to himself. If you have a gas grill, you got the little propane tank and you know that when that propane tank runs out, you can take it to the corner store and you can exchange it for another one, for a full one. We do an exchange. Now, there's a cost for us to do that. And this great exchange that, that God makes available to us, there was a cost for that exchange. But Jesus is the one that paid that cost. And he offers us to exchange this empty life of religion for a full life of a relationship with him. But the great exchange, Jesus is going to say, is only available to those who are humble enough and trusting enough to come to Christ empty-handed. So I want us to read this passage together, and then we'll pick it apart as we go through. So let's look at this in Matthew chapter 11, the last three verses of this great chapter. Verse 28, Jesus says to the crowd, Come to me, all who are labor, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. So right up front, Jesus is saying, what I'm talking about is not physical. What I'm talking about is spiritual rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now in this, we're talking about an invitation and we're also talking about an exchange. The invitation seems pretty obvious. Jesus is saying, come unto me, all you who are weary. There's the invitation to come to Christ. But the exchange may not be quite so obvious. He's asking us to come to him and he says, I'll offer to all of you who will come to me this opportunity to exchange the only life that you've known up to this point for the life that only I can give, Jesus says. This exchange is also offered to every single one of us. I want us to look at this offer that Jesus makes and kind of take it piece by piece and put the the pieces of the puzzle together so that we can get a clear picture of what Jesus is trying to say. So the offer is, the invitation is, come unto me. Here's the exchange that might not be quite so obvious. He's saying, I want to invite you to come to me and to take my yoke upon you. You say, well, How's that an exchange? Here's how it's exchange. Every single one of us is yoked to something. The Bible says that we are yoked to our sin. We are a slave to sin. We are chained to our sin. We are yoked to that. We are, we are yoked in the Jews in this day that Jesus is, is, is addressing. They were yoked to the law of Moses. And Jesus says, I'm calling you to make an exchange, to to swap yokes, if you will. So we'll get into that. But Jesus is saying, for all of you who labor and are heavy laden, I'm offering you an invitation. What does it mean to labor? Uh, Literally in the Greek, this term means to grow weary or tired or exhausted. So Jesus is making an offer to those who are exhausted. They've tried to keep the law of Moses. Now, you know that God gave Moses the law back on the mountain, the Ten Commandments. The Jews were very good about adding to that all of their tradition. In fact, as commentators will say, that that the Jews and, and the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of that day had tried to anticipate every single scenario, and they had a law or a rule to, to, to account for just about anything that a Jew would ever encounter. Many of those laws were man-made laws. They were not God's law. They were, they were God's law that man had built upon. And they had, the laws were so extensive. One commentator said they were so extensive it would be almost impossible for us to even know that they existed. Much less to be able to carry them out. This was a heavy burden that they had placed upon the, the, the people trying to, to seek God and to find God. So this labor that he's talking about is this straining and striving to try to please God, this, 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 uh, this internal striving to make themselves acceptable to God, to make themselves pleasing to God, lovable enough that God would shower his favor upon them, uh, to make them feel worthy. And if you've grown up in church or in religion, you may have strived to do some of those same things on your own. I was blessed to grow up with a mom and a dad that loved the Lord, that, that took us to church, that taught us the scripture, that exposed us to the truth at a very early age. But what I learned to do was to do the works without my heart being engaged. I, I learned what was expected of a Christian, and that's the things that I tried to do. I tried to make myself worthy through my works. I tried to make myself acceptable through my works. I I thought I could get God to love me more if I could just do more works. And and, and that became the fuel of my life was, was doing these works in order to try to make myself more acceptable to God, to make myself feel worthy of God's love. And so this invitation is an invitation to me. It's an invitation to you and to all who have tried to make themselves feel worthy in God's sight. Jesus says it's not what you do. So all of you who who have labored, you, you have strived to prove yourself. So those who labor, but also those who are heavy laden. 
And, and in, in the Greek language, and I know we're, we're not Greek scholars, and I'm certainly not a Greek scholar, but this is written in the perfect passive participle, which means that it was something that was laid upon somebody in the past. So what he's saying, all of you who have had this heavy load sometime in your past, this heavy load of religion laid on you, and you are now struggling to carry this load that somebody else has put on you. You see, the, the, the labor is something that's internal. It's this desire to make ourselves pleasing. But those who are heavy laden is an external burden that somebody else has placed upon you. It's an external burden of this works-based religion. Jesus grew up in a time where the Jews spoke often about putting on the yoke of the Torah, the, lo- the yoke of the law. In fact, some of the, the teachers of, of, uh, of the, the Jewish students in that day would, would take an unruly student and say, you need to lower yourself under the lo- yoke of the law and, and carry the yoke of the law. And that was the yoke that the Jews were expected uh, to carry according to their religious leaders. They would put on this yoke And and they would be burdened down by it. And that was their duty to try to carry and fulfill this law. They were trying to perfectly keep the rules and the laws and the traditions of the elders. Jesus talks about this burden in Matthew chapter 23. If you want to look there, Matthew chapter 23, the first five verses, Jesus says this. It says, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees, They sit on Moses' seat. In other words, they're the the keepers of the law. So do and observe what they tell you. But do not the works that they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. In other words, they are putting this huge burden on you. But they don't even carry the burden themselves. And then look what he says. They preach, but they do not practice. They tie up. Heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, those of you that want to know God, you come and, and you're told by the, the Pharisees, just sit here and we're going to pile this law and all of our traditions on top of you. And, and, and if, you are, if you are really devoted and if you're really sincere, then you will be able to rise up and you'll be able to carry this load. And so their messages become a, a do and do not list. It's this, it's this legalism that was developed by the, the Pharisees and the leaders of that day. And Jesus says, the only problem with that is that these Pharisees are putting burdens on you that they can't even carry themselves. In fact, they take great pride in putting loads on top of you, but they're not lifting a finger to try to help you bear that load. Now, later in this message, Jesus is going to contrast what the Pharisees were doing with what he was offering. They were coming and piling a load upon people, and they wouldn't lift a finger to help. Jesus, our Messiah, comes and he says, let me take that load off of you. And by the way, let's get in a yoke together and let me help you carry this load. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Not like the Pharisees, not like the rulers, not like those that want to continue to pile things upon you. Jesus says there's a difference. There's a choice. There's an exchange that you can make here. The New Testament church was formed. And it began as a Jewish movement, and you know that it wasn't long before it became not only a Jewish movement, but a a worldwide movement that involved Jews and Gentiles. And and one of the things that occurred very early on is when Peter went to Cornelius' house and, and shared the gospel, and Cornelius responded, and the gospel began to spread among the Gentiles. The Jews didn't know what to do with that. For them, it was, it was different. It was like, well, we're good Jews, and, 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 and it's easy for us to slide into this relationship with Jesus because he's our Messiah. And the Jews, the Judaizers of that day, wanted to require that any Gentile that wanted to come into the Christian faith be circumcised and they obey the laws and the traditions of the Jews. And Peter was opposed to that. And Peter stood up. And in Acts chapter 15, in Acts 15, Peter stands up and he says, no, 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 we're not going to do that to these Gentiles. We're not going to do that to those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 15, 
verse 10. Part of Peter's argument is this. He says, now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke? There's that yoke. Placing a yoke on the neck of these disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. But instead, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. Peter says, here's these new Gentile believers, and they're coming to faith in Christ, and the first thing you want to do is to try to load them down with a burden that you couldn't bear, a burden that our parents and our, our forefathers couldn't bear. We, we, we suffocated underneath the, the yoke of the law, and now the first thing you're wanting to do is to require them to be circumcised, to require them to observe all these Jewish laws. Peter says, that's nonsense. We couldn't do it, and, and we shouldn't require them to do it. And as the council met there in Jerusalem, they decided that Peter was right. That salvation was by grace and not by keeping these laws. So Jesus says, back in Matthew, he says, listen, guys, to those of you who have exhausted yourself trying to carry this heavy load, I want to offer you an exchange. Now, here's the ground rules. Two things that we need to notice about this exchange. It is reserved for those who are willing to come. It's reserved, Jesus says, for all who will come to me. There were going to be those in the crowd who would not come. They were too proud. They were too arrogant. They wanted to be in control. They thought, we are free. Why would we come underneath anybody's yoke? And they refused to come. But this this invitation, this exchange that Jesus is making is reserved, first of all, for those who are willing to come to Jesus. And second of all, it's reserved for those who are willing to admit that they're exhausted and that they can't do it on their own. Those same two requirements are there for you and I. If, if we want to find rest for our souls, if we want to be at peace with God, then we have got to come to Jesus. There's nobody else that can satisfy our soul. There's nobody else that can, can bring peace to our hearts other than Jesus. And we've got to stop acting as if we can do it ourselves. Rest, by definition, is the cessation of work, the stopping of work. I don't think it's a mistake that Jesus chose to use that image when he talked about us coming to him and finding rest. We stop working for our salvation. We stop working to try to be worthy. We stop working to try to prove that we are somebody. And we just come and rest in Christ, in his righteousness. It's also worthy of note here in this passage that Jesus calls us to himself. He doesn't say, hey guys, I'm creating a new religion. Let me invite you to this religion. That's not what Jesus says. He says, I'm inviting you to come to me. It's an invitation to a relationship with Jesus. Not an invitation to a religious system. The Jews had, had, had perfected, if you would, the religious system. They had it down pat. They had a, a rule for every scenario. Jesus says, that's not what I'm inviting you to. I'm inviting you to myself. Now, last week we talked about the fact that Jesus was claiming that he was God. God in the flesh, dwelling among men. And so what Jesus is saying here, I want you to come to me, to come to God. It was unheard of in that day. The Jews would have considered that blasphemous, that Jesus would have said that, that he was God and then inviting people to come to God by coming to him. But Jesus is inviting us to a relationship with God. It's important to see here that Jesus is not offering us an add-on. He's not saying Judaism plus, the rules plus. He said it's an exchange. You lay down those rules and you come to me. You come to this relationship with me. It's an exchange. Those who are proud, 
who thought that they had it all together, that they were moral. These Pharisees that loved to pile it on everybody else, but not lift a finger to help them. They would never accept that invitation. We will not come under you. To, 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 to come and to put on somebody's yoke was a sign of submission that you were coming under them, under their tutelage, under their discipleship. They thought they had it all together. We thought that we were the keepers of the rules. The hardest person to win to Christ is a religious person who's grown proud. A religious person who, who on the outside has got it all together. Because you've got to first of all convince them that they don't. And what convinces us that we don't is this inner nagging to say, I'm still not at peace. I've still got to do a little more. I've still got to serve one more day, one more thing, one more little thing I can do to prove my worth. And those who are proud will will not consider admitting that they need Jesus. They'll not consider admitting that, 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 that salvation is something that only Jesus can offer. But Jesus says here, all who will can come. And he backs it up with a promise. He says, all, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, to those who thought they had it all together, we don't need rest. We're just going to work a little harder. We've, we've earned this. We've worked hard at it. What do you mean you're, you're going to give me something? I've earned this. It'd be like going to school and the teacher giving you an assignment and you work all night writing a paper and the next day the teacher says, hey, don't worry about it. Everybody gets an A. And you're like, wait a minute. I, I worked all night on that. I, I've earned my A. Why are you just going to give everybody else an A? That's what the Jews would have thought. But Jesus says, I will give you rest. Rest is something that those who are weary, who are exhausted, who have tried their best to measure up, but just couldn't get there. It's something that they would want. Rest is something that that is, is sought after for those who are restless in their soul. So Jesus says to every weary, heavy laden person, if you come to me, I will give you rest. It's a brand new way of life. So Jesus offers this this exchange. But here is the exchange that we must make. Jesus says you need to take off the yoke of the law in order to put on the yoke of Christ. Now Jesus is not saying that we don't obey the Ten Commandments. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. But we cannot fulfill that in our own strength, in our own power. The the purpose that the law was given was to make us aware that we were sinners, to make us aware that we could not do this on our own. So Jesus says, you've got to exchange the yoke of the law and of works and of religion for the yoke of Christ, which is a relationship. In order to reach this point of rest, where you no longer have to work for your salvation, you've got to come to Christ. The yoke of the law was exhausting and burdensome. And it was impossible for anyone to keep. But the yoke of Christ is described in this passage as being easy and light and restful at peace with God. Romans chapter 3 Paul is writing about the difference between works and the righteousness of Christ. And in in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, he says this to us. He says, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight. Since through the law comes our knowledge of sin. Here's what he's saying. As we study the law of God, we realize how bad we are how hopeless our situation is, how much of a sinner we really are. The more we study God's law, the more we realize how sinful we are. But even the Pharisees tried to skirt that. They would make up exceptions and loopholes to the law. They would make exceptions for them to divorce their wives in order to marry a woman that they were were lusting over. 
And then Jesus comes along and says, guys, you're missing the intent of the law. You think if you haven't slept with a woman sexually that you haven't committed adultery. But I'm saying to you, you've missed it even worse than that because for a man to look upon a woman with lust in his heart, he's already committed adultery. You, you think you haven't killed anybody. But if you have anger and hatred in your heart towards your brother, you're already a murderer. Jesus doesn't say that to condemn us. He, shows that, he says that to show us how sinful we really are. And that's the purpose of the law. Through the law comes a knowledge of sin. But look at this. But now, verse 21, the righteousness of God has been manifested. It's been revealed apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness, the law and the prophets pointed to this, he says. But the righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction no distinction between what the Jews have to do and what the Gentiles have to do. What a man has to do, what a woman has to do. What a child has to do and what an adult has to do. What, what, what the, the educated and the uneducated. There's no distinction. Every person who comes and every person who will be saved must come through faith in Jesus Christ by believing in him. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And they're all justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 28. He says, For we hold that no one is justified, or we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Here's what Jesus is saying let's make a swap, let's make an exchange. You take off that heavy yoke that the law had placed upon you, and you come and be yoked with me. Jesus is saying, Look, you, you, a, a yoke would link two animals together that they could pull a plow, that they could do some work. We've seen pictures of yokes in my farm in Pitkin. In one of our storage buildings, I was going through it and looking at what was in there, a lot of antique stuff. And I found a yoke that's been half carved. Janet's great-great-great-grandfather was a millwright, and he made a lot of, anima, a lot of tools that were used in, in, in the farms. And there's a yoke that's, that's just rough as can be. It hasn't been sanded, it hasn't, but he started a yoke that he was building for an animal to pull a plow. A yoke linked two things together. For the Jews, they were linked to the law. And that law weighed them down and burdened them and ran them into the ground. And it was relentless, and it was unyielding, and it was uncaring, and it was cold. And Jesus says, you've got to lay that aside, and I want you to come, and I want you to take on this yoke with me. I want you to come into my yoke that I offer to you. It's a relationship Jesus calls us to. Now, again, keeping this in the context of Matthew chapter 11, Jesus has healed tons and tons of people. He's been in these towns doing his, most of his mighty works. And here's what Jesus is trying to say. I believe with all the compassion and all the love that he can muster up. He's saying, you have seen my hand. You've seen my power. You've seen me heal. You've seen me cleanse. You've seen me raise the dead. You've seen my hand. But what Jesus is doing is saying, let me show you my heart. It's a big difference for many, many churchgoers today. They want to seek after God's hand. Lord, we want, to, we want you to show up and give me goosebumps. We want you to show up and put on a mighty show. We want you to come and, and we want you to raise the dead or heal the sick or, or, or make this thing better. We want you to make my life comfortable. We want to see your hand. And Jesus says, that's not the most important. I want you to see my heart. I want you to understand my love for you. I want you to come be yoked with me. Now, I need to challenge you this morning. Because when most of us think about being yoked to Christ, we may look at that and go, oh, that's, that's uncomfortable. That, that, would, that would tie me down. That would weigh me down. Being yoked to Christ just seems like a, a burden. And, and some folks that are opposed to Christ would say, I just want to be free. I just want to do my I want to enjoy life. I'm going to live life to the fullest. I don't want to be yoked to anybody or anything. Well, too bad. Because we're all yoked to something. And Jesus calls us to cast off every other yoke. 
and come be yoked to him. And, and you say, well, man, us being yoked to Jesus sounds like a burden. And I would say to you, it is absolutely a burden. But not a burden for us, but a burden for Christ. He's the one doing the heavy hauling. He's the one that's done the work of salvation. He, we, we're yoked to him. You know, he's the greater, we're the lesser. If you put two animals together and one's stronger and one's weaker, who's going to do the most of the work? The greater. And, and, and so this invitation for us to come and be yoked to him is an invitation for us to come and have that burden removed and to be in step with Jesus, him doing the work, and we're just imitating him. We look at that and go, oh, I, I can't stand that restriction. Jesus is saying, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? We should be humble that Jesus, the Son of God, would even be willing to think about being yoked to us, a sinner. Jesus came to lighten our load, to carry our burdens, to carry that cross. Jesus came to do all of that, not to pile more stuff on us. He came to make us like him. That's the whole purpose of him yoking us together. You realize, don't you, that God could accomplish anything God wanted to accomplish just by speaking it. Jesus could do anything that he wanted to do, not because he needs us to carry a load, not because he needs us to do something for him. God spoke and this world was created. There's nothing that I can do for God that God couldn't do for himself. Jesus is not trying to pile it on us. It's a contrast. He says, your leaders, those Jewish leaders, they just kept piling it on, piling it on, piling it on. Jesus says, I've come to take it off. To place you in a yoke beside me. And he says, I want you to come be yoked to me. And I want you to learn from me. Here's what he's asking of us. You come and you watch. And when I step, you step. And when I step, you step. And when I turn, you turn. You just link up with me and you do what I'm doing. Just walk with me. Let's just have a relationship to where you come and you learn from me. Jesus says, your leaders came to pile it on. I came to carry your load. I came to do what you could not do for yourself. Again, the proud and the arrogant would never see this. But those who were hurting and helpless, those who had been weighted down with all this load, they would have cheered when Jesus spoke these words. They'd be humbled to think that the Son of God would come and want to be yoked with them. So Jesus offers this exchange. Lay down man's yoke and take up my yoke. But you can't wear both. Think about this. You can't be yoked to man's stuff and at the same time be yoked to Christ. It would pull you apart. It would strangle you to death. And that's what some Christians are trying to do. They're still trying to, all their effort to keep the law, to to do man's expectations, to make themselves pleasing, and at the same time walk with Jesus. And and those, those two roads They go the different direction. And it chokes you to death and it strangles the life out of you. Here's what's sad when I look at this passage is I think there's some in that crowd that day that just walked away. They saw Jesus' offer. They, They heard about this exchange and they just walked away. Some walked away because they were prideful. And some because they just felt unworthy. It reminds me of a passage in in the Old Testament where Moses was sent by God in Exodus to lead the people forth from their bondage and from their slavery. And and there's a lot of similarities here that we see in the Old Testament that feeds into the New Testament. 
And, and God sent Moses in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. Look what he says. He says, he tells Moses, he says, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. There's that heavy load the Egyptians had put on you. I'm going to bring you out from underneath that burden, underneath that yoke. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. You'll see my hand, but also my heart. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. There's that relationship. And you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out from under the burden of Egypt. I will bring you into the land. This is the land that was flowing with milk and honey, a place of rest for God's people. This land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I will give it to you as a possession, for I am the Lord. So verse 9, Moses went and he spoke thus to the people. But they did not listen to Moses. Why? Because of their broken spirit and the harsh slavery. These people have been slaves for so long that their spirits have been broken And they knew nothing other than slavery. And they've been placed under harsh slavery. They had come to the place to accept the life that they knew as the only life that was possible. It's always been this way. It'll never be any different. They probably heard their taskmaster scream and holler and threaten them that if you ever try to escape, I'm going to hunt you down and I'm going to kill you and you'll wish you'd never ever left the farm. They had a broken spirit. They had been treated harshly as slaves. They'd given up hope of anything better. They had been conditioned to see themselves as unworthy of anything better. Once a slave, always a slave. And on top of that, Moses' offer sounded way too good to be true. Why get our hopes up just to have them dashed again? These guys could not fathom that God or anyone else could love them that much. But here's the good news of God's grace, that even though they could not or did not respond, God did not stop pursuing them. He kept coming again and again. And so Moses goes and speaks to the people, and they reject it. And God continues to send Moses back. So despite their broken spirit, despite their harsh treatment, God continues to pursue them. He showed them his mighty hands through the plagues upon Egypt. And then with a mighty outstretched arm, God did exactly what he said. He delivered the people. And then God, as he delivers his people, begins to reveal what I believe is his tender heart toward them. It's a strange passage. But as soon as God gets them out of Egypt, there's like this straight path right through the Philistine country to the promised land. It's a short path. Should have taken them 30, 40 days to get there. And in in Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 and 18, I think we see the heart of God for his people. And I want you to to, to grab this with me, and maybe I can do a good enough job of explaining it. But there's this straight path from Egypt into the promised land, but it had to go through the Philistine country. And look what, what, what the Bible says here. It says, now when Pharaoh let the people go, this is chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, that short route, even though it was near or it was shorter. For God said, lest these people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Now, they're equipped for battle. Why didn't he just take them straight through the Philistine land and straight into the promised land? Was God not big enough to do with the Philistines what God did with so many of the other nations? Why would God not just take them straight from Egypt, straight into the promised land? Let's let's skip the 40 years of wandering in the desert. Let's skip the manna. Let's skip all the other. Why did God have to take them another route? I think this is sometimes what causes many would-be followers of Christ to stumble. 
is to say, why doesn't God just save me and make life easy? Why doesn't God just save me and, and let life go smooth? Why doesn't God just save me and, and, and just wipe out all my foes so that all my life can just be easy? Here's why. They were dressed for battle. They were equipped for battle. But they were not yet ready for battle. When you and I come to Christ and he gives us his Holy Spirit, we are equipped. But we may not be ready. There are some things that God needs to show us about himself. Some things that God needs to show us about ourselves. That God can only do in times of wilderness. That God can only do in places where we're not constantly in one battle after another. And so here's God showing his loving heart, saying, listen, guys, I could take you straight from Egypt, straight through the Philistine country, and we could put you in the promised land, and you would know my mighty hand. But you need to know my, my tender heart. So we're going to turn back, and we're going to go toward the Red Sea. A logistical nightmare for anybody who's leading a group of people. And you know the story, they get their backs to the sea and Pharaoh shows up and has a change of heart. And once again, God begins to demonstrate to his people his heart. He feeds them manna. He gives them quail. The shoes and their clothes don't wear out. And they fail again and again and again. And God remains faithful. He shows them his heart. Jesus is doing the same thing here. He's saying, guys, look, you've seen my miracles, and you keep coming back for another miracle, another miracle. He says, today I want to pull back the curtain, and I want to show you my heart. I want to invite you into a relationship with me. You see, God could save us and and instantly take us home to heaven. He says, you're equipped for that. When you're saved, you're equipped for heaven. But you're not ready. I want you to know my heart. And I want you to know my love for you. I want you to grow in this relationship with me. So Jesus says, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you to take my yoke upon you. And I want you to learn from me. It's what we call in church discipleship. Growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to watch me and learn from me. And I just want you to do what I do. I want you to go where I go. I want you to love how I love. Just imitate me. Just walk alongside of me. I'm, I'm doing the heavy hauling. You just come alongside of me. And Jesus says, here's the difference between me and what I offer and that old yoke that you used to wear. I lighten your load. That old yoke just weighed you down. I lift your spirits. It, it demoralizes you. I model what I want from you. The Pharisees never did what they preached. I want you to come and and I want you to cast your cares upon me because I care for you. I'm not a taskmaster. I'm in the yoke with you and together we are walking hand in hand. Come, see my heart, not just my hands. My yoke is easy. In fact, Jesus summarized the law, didn't he? What's the greatest of the commandments? Love God and love people. Jesus said, we get that down, we're going to be good. It's not this huge thing. It's love God and love people. Jesus says, my burden is light. I take off that guilt and that shame and I lighten your load. You don't have to work for acceptance. I've already accepted you. I've already invited you. I've already called you to myself. You're already accepted. Plus, this yoke is not a one-man yoke. It's a two-man yoke. And I'm in it with you. We'll pull this load together. When you're weak, then I'm strong. By the way, Jesus goes at a pace that's best for us. He doesn't just take off like a a racehorse out of the gates. He walks at a pace that we can keep up and that we can walk together with him. He's not going to run you in the ground. So how is this possible? That the God of the universe would yoke himself with us 
Well, Jesus says right here, he says, I want you to come and I want you to learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. At my very core, this is who I am. I'm gentle with you. I'm gentle with those who are yoked to me. He's looking out for our best, even when we don't know what that best is. Like the God who led the people not straight through the Philistine country, but, but through the wilderness to train them and to get them ready. He knows what's best. He's looking out for our best interests. He knows better than we know what we need. And when you stop and think about it, you've got to realize this. You and I are not the first sinner that he's been yoked to. He knows our tendencies to pull away, and he's patient with us. He, he, he yokes us with himself, and he works with us to break that, that, that rebellious spirit and to teach us the advantage of just walking with him day by day. He also says, I'm lowly in heart. You know what that means? That he was not such a high and, 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 and far away God that he wouldn't come low to be with us. I'm lowly in spirit. He came to us. He made himself a servant in order to save us. And he's drawn to the weary and the heavy laden. He's called the, the friend of sinners because he yoked himself with those who were sinful. And he walked with them and he changed them. His heart is drawn to sinners and to sufferers. He's not too big to love the least. He's not too busy to supply our needs. He's that shepherd that, that leads and loves his sheep. He's a doctor who gives himself to heal those that are sick. He's a savior that seeks out sinners. To those who come. Jesus says, you'll find rest for your soul. It's a peace that passes all understanding. It goes beyond anything that we have ever experienced before. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus offers to us an invitation that is is nothing short of an invitation to exchange that old way of life for a life of freedom in Christ. A life that is easy and restful and at peace. He's, he offers us to stop striving and to start trusting. To come to him and find a personal relationship. To take his yoke upon us and to submit to his lordship and to his leadership. To learn from him through discipleship and growth and this relationship that he offers us. You say, well, why would I want to do that? Because you're exhausted. Because you've tried all of your life to measure up and nothing you do can measure up. We've exhausted ourselves trying to prove that we are worthy. Trying to to get everybody to see how much we are worth. When we have the God of the universe that says, I declare you worthy. I have come for you. You who are weary and are heavy laden. You who are exhausted and worn out. But you still haven't found rest. Come to me, Jesus says. And you will find rest for your souls. And Jesus says, I'm the only one that can offer that. So he calls us to himself. He says, come to me. All you who are labor are weary or heavy laden. You're tired of trying to prove your worth. You're tired of trying to earn your salvation. You're tired of trying to make yourself acceptable to God. Jesus says, stop all of that. And just come. Take my yoke upon you. Enter into this relationship with me. And you will find rest for your soul. I'm gentle. I won't abuse you. I'm loving I'll take care of you. I won't load you down. I will lift that load off of you. And you can learn from me. You can study me. Notice my every move. You can imitate me and just do what I do. You can allow me to create my heart in you. So that when I'm moved, then you're moved. 
And what I do, you do. What I value, you value. And the best part is that you'll find rest for your soul. You'll stop striving on your own. So as we close today, let me ask you this. Have you done all that you know to do and you still don't have peace? You got religion, and, and maybe you're like I was, that you, you had this religion down pretty pat. But when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you know that something's still missing. Something's still not right. That no matter how good you get it, your works are still not quite where they need to be. You got a choice. You can get up tomorrow and put on that same old yoke and try just a little bit harder. Or you can hear Jesus' invitation to exchange that old yoke for his yoke. To be yoked to him. To come to him. To be yoked to him. To learn from him. To see his heart. To hear his call. And to say, Lord, I just want to walk with you. Whatever that means. Wherever that takes us. Whatever that looks like. That's my desire. Is just to be yoked with you. So trade your yoke of works for his yoke of righteousness. He's done the work. He just invites us now to come and to walk with him, to learn from him, to be his disciple, and to imitate him every step for the rest of our life. That's doable because of his grace. And because of his work on the cross. So I ask you, will you come to him today? Empty-handed. Yoke laid aside. And say, Jesus, if you would care to be yoked up with me. Then I'm ready to be yoked up with you. And let him place his yoke upon you. And you realize just how light and how easy that is. And you become his and he becomes yours. And you do life in relationship with the God of the universe. Let's pray.